Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Southeastern Conference is back. That means Florida at Old Miss and Lane Kiffin's debut. We've got Florida State at Miami. Mike Norvell, the Florida State coach, is not going to be able to be there, but he has an interim coach. We'll tell you who that is and all about him. And looking forward to watching Miami quarterback Derek King. We've got all things college football to talk to you about with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with Producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, we'd love to welcome our new sponsor to the podcast, Breitling Boutique, home of the beautiful Breitling watches. There's only 15 of these in the United States, and we're blessed to have one right here at beautiful International Plaza. Now, you need to check out these watches. Uh, You've seen these things. These are absolutely gorgeous. The new Endurance Pro, uh, very lightweight, uh, perfect for athletes, sort of the athleisure watch, if you will. I'll take one with the blue band, please. Oh gosh. Go ahead and pre-order it now for me. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, these things are amazing. You got to go try one on. We'll give you what the offer for that is, by the way. And then, if you want to dress it up, how about the Chronomat? How about uh, the one with the stainless steel? Just, just absolutely. Uh, you know, you people uh, around you will just be jealous as soon as they see this thing. So go see our new friends at Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. You know, that's where the NFL quarterbacks and all the Hall of Fame baseball players and boxing champions go. Tell them Rick Stroud and Steve Versnick sent you, and you can get a free $60 Breitling cap when you try on a beautiful Breitling watch. Breitling Boutique, home of those beautiful Breitling watches in International Plaza. You know, I think once you try them on, though, you're not going to be able to take it off. They're <laughs> that's beautiful. The, that's the They're idea. They're beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you won't want to walk out there without one, I assure you. So make sure you go check them out. And uh, it's great to have them uh, aboard as our sponsor. Well, Steve, by the next time we have a podcast, the Tampa Bay Lightning could be Stanley Cup champions. Uh, They played tonight, of course, in Game 4. After that uh, rousing 5-1 win with the emotion of Steven Stamkos, I still still am getting goosebumps when I I see that, see the reaction of that that bench on the sidelines. Um, I don't know if he'll play again, but, man, he gave us one heck of a memory and a lot of momentum for the Lightning in this one. So they're just two wins away. Yeah, so game four is tonight, then it's a back-to-back. So game five is Friday night, which means by – or I'm sorry, Saturday night. So by Saturday night, um, we could have a Stanley Cup champion. That's just, just just incredible to think of. And, of course, all they've been through in the bubble um, and after losing game one against Dallas, coming back uh, with two uh, pretty solid victories, yeah. to, to say the very least. I believe Saturday night it will be exactly two months that they've been in the bubble. They went up to Toronto on July 26th. And so Saturday is September 26th. So if they if they finish it out then or if they have to go on to game six on Monday night. But, uh, yeah, they'll have been in the bubble two months. Uh, and that doesn't include the workouts. And they weren't in a bubble when they were in Tampa, but they were encouraged to, you know, obviously social distance and, and be careful and stay away and were tested and all that. So yeah, crazy two sacrifice. months. Yeah, just a huge sacrifice. There'll be a lot of stories coming out of that. And I think they obviously grew closer as a team, had to do a lot. All they had was each other. 
had to do a lot of things together. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, John Cooper uh, today talked about um, how close and tight knit this team is. He goes tight knit. That yeah, he goes they would lay in traffic for each other. That's how tight knit this group is. <laughs> and and Barclay Goodrow talked about how easy it was to fit in because it is such a tight knit group. But they're very welcoming and open. He goes not just right. the players, but the trainers and the management and the coaches and the equipment yeah. guys. And it's just a it's a really good group. Really tight knit, but really open, and you know they they care for each other and take care of each other, and and you know look out for each other. I think it matters the people you have at the top of the organization, starting with the owner Jeffrey Venick. That is a first class sports organization for all of sport, not just in the NHL. It's been voted as such in the past, and um, you know you really see how it how it feathers down. Uh, all the way to the players and the type of not just great players, but the type of people that they get. That that chemistry why... matters in sports. Yeah, it does. Oh um, yeah, it does. I remember, and this is 15 years ago, working for the Braves and and getting to know that organization. That was at the tail end of their 15 straight division championships, and you know Bobby Cox is the manager there and, and that. And but talking to some people, there were some players over the the last few years prior to, to when I got there that they had traded away for almost nothing. And you kind of wondered, you know, why would they make this trade? And it was good players in that. And it was, it literally was, they weren't very good people. They didn't fit in with this group. They weren't the right, you know, character mattered. And and that was part of how they sustained that winning was that, you know, you see that in the Rays today. Um, you know, I, that group looks extremely tight-knit and extremely um, looking out for each other and fighting for each other at all times. And and that matters and helps you in sports, man. When you're around as much as you are, um, more than, you know, you're there more than your family. And, and, you know, you have to rely on your teammates to, to succeed. And if you, if you don't like or trust or can't rely on them, that it, it definitely hurts you as a team. And, and the more tight-knit you can be and the, the better group of people you have, the better your team has a chance to be. Yeah, I've always thought, you know, the talent obviously is, you know, is where you start with mm-hmm. any successful team. But I think the it's the best teams that win championships and not necessarily just the best talent. And I, I think this this has the perfect mix of both. I mean, they're very talented, uh, but they're good people and they're obviously very close. So uh, it'll be fun to see if they can uh, finish this off. And, of course, you know, it takes four to win. Don't think you haven't won anything yet. You're just well, halfway there. If you remember in uh, 2015, they had a 2-1 lead against Chicago in that uh, Stanley Cup final and lost three straight, and so they ended up losing in six games. So they they had a, it was a two one series lead. They lost game one, won game two and three. So yeah, they can't take anything for granted. And a lot of the a lot of the players from that team are still on this team. So I'm sure they remember that and are you know heeding those lessons of we can't let that happen again. This is exactly right. Um, the Tampa Bay Bucks, of course, they travel west. We're going to the uh, Rocky Mountains out to Mile High Stadium in Denver. That's going to be an interesting trip, second road trip. Of course, the first one didn't go so well at New Orleans. This Denver Bronco team is beat up. Very much so. Besides the 49ers, who are extremely beat up, and if you've seen their injury report this week. They're right there with them. uh, Denver's right up there with, uh, you know, and and look, I don't think Denver's one of the better teams in in the conference, the AFC, this year, and they're beat up. So, I mean, this is a prime time for for Tampa Bay to go in and get a road victory and and take care of business and become 2-1 and on the season. Huge opportunity. Jeff Driscoll, a former Gator mm-hmm. quarterback, will start for them. Um, and uh, he is 1-7 as a starter. He actually played – I thought he played pretty good. I mean, they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. 26-20. Steelers are a very good defense. And uh, he made some plays. And actually, I think they had the lead with about four minutes to go in that game. And uh, Denver has been one of those places that Tom Brady has not had – probably the only place he hadn't had a great track record. Uh, he's lost a few playoff games out there. But uh, – 
this is a different Denver team. Of course, no Von mm-hmm. Miller. Um, you know, they've lost one of their top receivers. It's it's going to be. And how much would uh, they like Shaquille Barrett on their team now? Oh my goodness, yeah. Shaq goes back, uh, and, and you know, after leading the NFL in sacks. But as he said, we talked to him on on Thursday, and he was, you know, he was talking about, you know, there really wasn't an opportunity to stay there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they had Bradley Chubb, they had Von Miller. He was always going to be that guy that was going to be the valuable backup if there was an injury. And he wanted his chance to start. He certainly got it. There wasn't a lot of interest for him. The Bucks signed him to a one-year, $4 million deal, and boom, he leads the NFL in sacks with 19.5. Now he's got zero after two games, not the start he had last year when he had nine in the first four weeks. But I think he's creating some one-on-one matchups inside, and Damakon Sue has a couple of sacks. Will Golston, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Pierre-Paul has a couple as well. Well, they're scheming um, for him now. I mean, absolutely. You know, going into last season, nobody schemed for him. You were worried That's about correct. and Damakon Sue and some of the others, and mm-hmm. you know, Shaq Barrett was fine. But you know, now it's, okay, we've got to stop that guy first. That's exactly right. So, uh, you know, uh, he's going to have to adjust. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, guys are typically motivated. In the NFL every week, there's somebody going back to their former team. Uh, but he actually played college ball out that way at Colorado State. So uh, this is really kind of a kind of a homecoming for him uh, in a way. And I think that, you know, the Bucks just have to continue to build. I mean, I wrote a story uh, you guys should read in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. It might be online on TampaBay.com. Uh, all about Tom Brady and, and you know, of all the things that they wanted from Tom, the one thing they didn't ask for was for him to bring his playbook from New England. And so this transition he's had to make to Bruce Arians' offense has been uh, problematic at times, and it's been difficult. Uh, and with the pandemic, damn near impossible. But uh, they are making strides, and there's a couple plays that we enumerate uh, that you saw from the last game with Mike Evans, um, you know, the seam route over the middle, which was – very similar to the to the play that he cut off uh, in New Orleans that resulted in interception. It goes for 50 yards against Carolina, and then uh, a back shoulder um, throw for a touchdown that he said he practiced like uh, caught like 50 of those on the Friday before the game. And uh, Tom Brady gave him the route, the coverage, and the throw, which was right on top of him. So uh, you're starting to see some of the progress. Chris Godwin will be back in this game. They have yet to have both receivers completely healthy. Uh, I, I think this will be uh, a, a huge boon for them, obviously. And Mike says that he's been doing the, the TB12 treatments and getting the, <laughs> the massages and all of that. Uh, says his, his hamstring has, has felt really good. He's very close to 100%. We know Godwin is out of the concussion protocol. And maybe having those two guys on the field at the same time, that could potentially open up something for Rob Gronkowski, who has yet to really become that involved in the passing game, just four targets and two catches for 11 yards. Um, both of those against the Saints. So uh, they've got a lot to uh, to offer from an offensive standpoint, uh, as well as, you know, the three-headed monster at running back. I mean, they continue to use all these guys, whether it's Rojo, obviously has been sort of the opener, if you will, if you want to use the Rays phrase. And then um, they, they come in with LaShawn McCoy sort of in the middle of the game to catch some passes, and then boom, their closer has been a good one in Leonard Fournette. And I think Fournette will probably get – more and more as the season goes on, I think he's going to be their RB1, if you will. Uh, but it's good also to keep him fresh for the fourth quarter if you have a lead because you can really pound him up in there uh, sort of the way they used to do with the A-train back in the day when they would have a lead um, you know, with the Bucks that uh, went on to win a Super Bowl. So uh, defensively, look, uh, this team is humming. Um, you know, they've, they've got to, they just got to put together four quarters. They kind of took a nap in the second half last week against Carolina. Uh, but they did come up with uh, the the four turnovers and five sacks, you know, of Teddy Bridgewater 
And um, if you can go out there and match that effort and play four quarters, it could be scary. So, uh, you know, Bucks had a chance to get to two and one, and right now they're tied in the division with New Orleans, which lost, uh, you know, at Oakland Monday night. And, oh, by the way, I think the Saints have the Packers this week. Yeah, they host us, what, Sunday night? That's the Sunday night game. So you'll see Al mm-hmm. and Chris on the call there uh, in New yeah. Orleans. So, uh, yeah, the Bucks could be in first place by the end of this, by the end of Sunday. First place by the end of Sunday. You got your Tampa Bay Rays have a chance to uh, have the best record in the American League. Of course, they clinched the American League East mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. That was exciting. And so... Now they could wind up with the best record in the American League. Yeah, so I believe their magic number is three. Uh, the A's can actually get to 39 wins. I don't know what the tie breaks are across mm-hmm. the divisions because um, they don't really have they any don't play. They don't, yeah, they're yeah. not playing each other, so there's no that. I'm not exactly sure. So uh, magic number of three uh, would get you ahead of the A's. I think the magic number is two to get ahead of the Twins and the White Sox. The, the A's actually have five games left. Uh, they're playing tonight. Um, before we're, or after we're taping, and then uh, they have four over the weekend, including a doubleheader. So they had, they had missed some games earlier in the year. So, um, But, yeah, the Rays uh, could end up the number one seed. Uh, they're playing the Phillies this weekend. The Lightning could win the Stanley Cup, and the, Bron- the Bucks could be in first place after Sunday. <laughs> and no one can see them, <laughs> unfortunately. You can watch them on TV, yeah. though, and you can listen to us break it down on Sports Day Tampa Bay. But, yeah. It's the most 2020 Tampa thing ever. Um, we can't have nice hey, things. Yeah, you can't have nice things, but you can have some nice things, I guess. Yeah. Um, look, you can buy some merch about all these about all these championships. They're going to be hanging banners and uh, you know get your hats. I mean, and yeah, t-shirts. maybe next week we're planning some social distance celebration with the lightning. Who knows? I, mean, uh, I think so. I mean, I think it's very possible. I'd like to see a parade. I don't know where it's headed. And I don't know how, how it might, far apart it might be the world be longest parade because if everyone's got to be <laughs> exactly. six feet apart, that parade's going to go on forever. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll snake around Tampa a few times for sure. Maybe all the way up here to Lutz and then, you know, back down to where you're at in, uh, uh, in South Tampa there. But, um, uh, yeah, that would be, uh, they, I mean, that, that cup has to make the rounds too. That's the great thing about the Stanley cup though. Like each guy usually ends up with a day or two with it. And, uh, They're actually negotiating the protocols in that because the traveling with the cup and and the party, you know, people want to have parties and this with it, but with COVID, that it's actually going to be different this year. I mean, it's, can't drink out of it, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be different things that happen throughout. I mean, you know, it was cool to see the Stanley Cup's actually at the finals. Normally, they don't yes. bring the cup in the building until someone can win it. It's perched up there, but yeah. it, you know they actually had it there for game one, which was really cool. Actually, mm-hmm. it's just sitting over the you know the teams as they play, which is kind of a cool sight. Um, NHL did very well with that, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting what the players get. You know, not only for winning it, although you know everyone in the bubble there, I, I think they're secure. But once you go back, how do you get your day? Right. You know, and then you want to take it to wherever and with family and friends. You know, it's going to they're they're negotiating all that, and I don't know how that's all going to work, but. Hopefully yeah. the Lightning have to worry about that and figure that out. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have for sure. Um, sort of like what, what the Rays had to do when they clinched the American League East. They couldn't have champagne, um, so they had uh, little confetti poppers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see picture of uh, of uh, Charlie Morton cleaning it up in the, uh, in the clubhouse. Yeah. But they also went out and smoked the victory cigars. Oh, I yeah. thought that was a nice they were, touch. They were enjoying it with their uh, Tampa Bay 98 sh- shirts and hats, which I love. So. <laughs> What's awesome. I had some some uh, friends ask him, "What does the '98ers mean?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, there's a whole stable of '98 the guys that could throw '98 in that bullpen." Went, oh, I forgot about that quote. You know, was, <laughs> yeah, they got the T-shirts with the four horsemen on mm-hmm. there. 
it's pretty cool. So yeah, the ninety eighters. Um that's one of those galvanizing moments and statements by Kevin Cash that uh mm-hmm. has some legs and sometimes, you know, that can uh that can change your image and propel you um, you know, into the World Series. Remember the Cincinnati Reds what was it, the Wild Bunch or whatever it was? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Dibble and Myers and Franco. Yeah. The the three closers, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, look, the race, they can't all be freaking savages. So no, of course not. (laughs) Although watch what you say about the Yankees and it looks like the Rays are going to end up as we do this right now. Anyway, uh, could well play the Toronto blue Jays, which I have to be honest with you. And first of all, two out of three in any series against any major league club, even one that maybe didn't make the playoffs this year is, is a bit of a gamble because, Mm -hmm. This is baseball, and that's not a yep. you know you go out and and somebody has a bad outing in game one, you're fighting for your life in game two. Yep, um, and so you can't have a crooked inning, you know, because the pressure mounts and then boom, you're home. Um, so look out for that number one, and then Toronto, of the teams that they they beat everybody in the American League East, they had a a winning record against everyone, but the least amount of wins they had uh, was a six and four record against Toronto, and and in this in this building mm-hmm. at the Trop. Uh, the Blue Jays have bashed a lot of home runs. They have. Um, now, a lot of those yeah. games were early in the season. The Rays were struggling a little bit early. And the they Blue, were. And the Blue Jays were a lot hotter early in the season. That's true, too. So, you know, they didn't play a lot of those games late. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it will it will be interesting. We'll have Mark Topkin on Tuesday's podcast to preview the playoffs, which will start later that night. So, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, I know there's been college football for the last couple of weeks, but it's not college football until I can talk to Matt Baker each week. And that happens right now because the SEC is back. Matt Baker, of course, has been writing about college football all the while. And Matt, you know, I mean, look, this is all sort of a, a you know, 2020, the, the brave new world, right? Things change every day. And we've seen cancellations of games and we're likely to see more cancellations of games. We've seen Mike Norvell get coronavirus himself and not be able to, uh, to coach per se. So a lot of things are going on. Let me just ask you just in general, how do you think it's gone? Are are you, in other words, are you surprised? Is it about what you expected um, that, you know, we, we've had some games have to be postponed and, and, and other others have not. I mean, how do you think it's going to go based on what you've seen the first few weeks? The first part of that, thanks for having me on. The first part of that is really interesting. Because uh, I'm trying to figure out what reasonable expectations were for this, um, right? And I don't, I don't have a good answer. Um, we knew there would be cancellations. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the number so far, as, as we record this at 4:40 on Thursday, I think there's been 21 cancellations, postponements, whatever, um, and like 49 games played or something like that. Hmm. I, I don't know if that's a good number or a bad number. Um, I mean, to some degree, it just depends relative to what your expectations were at certain times. Um, Mm. If you had told me two months ago that there would be a season and the SEC would be getting ready to play and Florida State would have already played a game and and Miami would have already played two, 
I would have taken that in a heartbeat because for a while it, it looked it looked not good at all. Um, right. But if you had told me in April that we would have had uh, what thirty percent of the games canceled, or if you told me that and you know, at various points along the way, I would have said that's that seems high. So it's I didn't know what to expect. I guess is the bad answer, and I, I don't think that's gone poorly. But there's also a lot we don't know. Um, you, you look at your, your beloved Red Wolves of Arkansas State, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they've yeah they, they've had several cancellations after the the Kansas State game, and mm. Kansas State had um, issues after you know COVID issues after that game. Arkansas State did as well. I don't know. I, I'm not speculating here. I'm just stating a fact. I don't know to what extent that football game would have exacerbated things. Like w- I, nobody seems to think that that it's football the actual playing of football has been a big spreading event but i don't know that for sure then you look at the you know the usf and what happened with usf and notre dame again i don't i'm saying i don't know i'm not speculating but i don't know to what extent the actual football game might have made things worse and spread it because obviously that was a concern all along so that's one of the concerns that i still have just because i haven't seen enough and you know, I'm I'm hopeful that we can get through this and come out the other side and, and with a, a national title game in Miami on January 11th, where there's a, to some degree, undisputed national champion, or at least a clear national champion. And, and most importantly, of course, I'm hopeful that, you know, the the outbreaks, uh, you know, on, on campuses and everywhere else die down and that, you know, nobody gets seriously uh, ill or, or, or dies from this thing. Uh, along those lines, you know, uh, when we when we were talking about college football, we weren't talking about the Big Ten or the Pac-12 playing, right? So, uh, you know, you mentioned Arkansas State. Some some of those teams uh, did play, and you know, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but if I'm sitting at home watching football games actually occur around the country, that, that would make me try to rethink what my decisions were. I don't have to get into you know, why they made them or what has changed. Um, but is this possible what they're attempting to do in starting a season close to November or in November, playing somewhere between six or eight games? And then I, I suppose with a conference championship, maybe being considered for a national championship as well. Well, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are, are different in, in that way. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten, I think it's October 24th is when they're going to go. Um, the Pac-12 is a week or two later. Again, as we record this, the Pac-12 mm-hmm. is, is officially not yet a go, but every expectation is that that'll be announced Thursday evening. Um, so it, it, that week actually, I think, does make a difference because that's a, the, a difference between seven games or, or eight games or nine games and six, seven or eight, depending on how it all works out. And, and mm-hmm. that, I think that's going to be very, that's going to be very big because, you know, just not, not in the college football playoff perspective here, but just me talking as an AP voter, I'm going to have to decide in the next couple of weeks, where does an undefeated two and O Alabama stack up against a what five and O or four and O Clemson against a zero zero Ohio state. Um, that's going to be really hard. And it's going to be, I think, to some degree harder in December when we're talking about what an 11 and one or 10, yeah, uh, 10 and one Alabama against, a, you know, 12 and 0 Clemson that had a soft schedule and a eight and one Ohio state team that lost to Michigan, but won the big 10, you know, just stuff like that. It's going to be really weird because, um, 
even in a normal year, there, there's all these inconsistencies. But you, you factor in the fact that there's going to be not even the same amount of games, let alone the fact that there's no non-conference games or few non-conference games to give you some data points as to who, who deserves to be here versus who deserves to be where. So it's just going to be really weird. Um, I, I don't think the Pac-12 has... Aside from Oregon, Pac-12, the Pac-12 does not have a, a college football playoff contender, or at least a serious one. And I don't think making the CFP is really driving the decision for them. I think the decision is, hey, if other people can do it, we probably can. Let's play some games. Let's make some of our TV money. Let's have a team in the Rose Bowl or whatever and, and, and make our playoff money that way, even if we don't have a national title contender. But the Big Ten, I mean, with Ohio State in particular... Ohio State is absolutely one of the four most talented teams in the country. And in a normal year, we would be talking about them. Or they'd be playing now as a, a number one, number two, number three team in the country. So it was important for them to have a chance to play because it, I think the Buckeyes can be a very special team. And, and you know, we'll see how it works once things actually kick off, assuming they do actually kick off. The impact of not playing, right, um, especially with respect to the Pac-12 and maybe to some extent the the, the Big Ten Recruiting, I mean, this could have been used against them in some form or fashion, could it not? In other words, I don't know if a player would have tried to transfer this year. I don't know, um, you know, that they would that that players would be less apt to to go to those conferences because they they didn't play. I mean, would that have had an impact? Yes and no. I mean, we saw a, a lot of opt outs. You, you look at like Sean sure. Wade and um, Wyatt Davis, two potential first round guys from Ohio State. Um, both of them opted out when it, it wasn't looked like they weren't going to play. Panay right. Sewell at Oregon, you know, best offensive lineman in the country, opted out. Uh, there were some people who entered the portal um, pretty soon after the MAC bailed. A receiver at I think it was Kent State um, mm-hmm. bailed. So you, you have some of that. Um, as far as the recruiting, again, it, it's it's a there's two sides to this coin. Uh, on on one side, yes, you're right. It's a they're not playing Ohio State, Michigan. They're out of sight, out of mind. Um, you can make an argument, well, I don't think football is important. Otherwise, they'd be playing like we are at Alabama and, and sure. Georgia or wherever. Um, on the other hand, the, the coaches and, and whoever could make an argument to players, look, we didn't play because we didn't think it was safe for your kids. And that's a pretty compelling point. Um, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Ohio State's going to get good players. <laughs> they, they've gotten good players since the dawn of time. They're going to keep getting good players no matter what it looks like. Um, might there have been some things that, that hurt? Yeah. But this whole recruiting cycle is so weird because, you know, kids are going to sign without going to campuses in, in a lot of cases. And, you know, coaches haven't had the opportunity to go evaluate players in person in a long time. So it's going to be a weird recruiting cycle, this, this 2021 class in general. Um, I think we, it'll be really interesting to see in December and then February what number of kids stay close to home. You know, I, Florida, the state of Florida as a whole has not recruited itself very well. Um, that's why the Clemsons and Bamas and, and the LSUs and those guys have gotten a lot of good players over the years. So I want to see if, if in this cycle that gets reversed because with all the uncertainty, maybe a kid in Orlando or, or Broward or Miami who would have looked more at Clemson or, or Bama in the past, maybe they say, you know what? I don't know those programs as, as well. Maybe I'm going to be more inclined to go with the Gators or Knowles or Canes. Very interesting. Let's talk about the state schools, and we'll start in Tallahassee, where <laughs> things not actually off to a great start there at Florida State for Mark no- Mike Novell. I mean, for starters, uh, the poor guy has coronavirus, and so um, that that's bring bring up some issues. But 
you know, their opener was against the Georgia Tech team that won, what, three three games or so uh, a year yep. ago um, with a new coach, a new system sort of trying to, to be implemented, and they lose after having a two-score lead. What did you? What have you seen of the Seminoles so far? Yeah, the, the week one game was not good. I mean, let's just face it. The, the a, a lot, you know, for as good as they looked in the first ten minutes or so, where they they go down and score on their first drive, they, they block a, you know, they block a kick and the defense stands, and then they get another score and and all that stuff. They looked very good, and then they looked like this. What I saw during the Willie Taggart era. You know, uh, and to some degree, Jimbo, where there's a lack of discipline, there's too many penalties, um, some dumb penalties, uh, false starts, things versus two on one drive. When the offensive line had to go to a backup for whatever reason, it was bad. I mean, the the, the turning point in the game, or one of them, came. Uh, you know, uh, Devontae Love Taylor from Mitchell High School, uh, starting right tackle, goes down with an injury. His backup comes in very next play, gets burned. Uh, J- James Blackman gets strip sacked. That sets up the, the game-winning field goal. I mean, that's how it happened because the offensive line still isn't any good. So th- that's, to me, one of the surprises. I shouldn't say surprise. It's I had hoped and I thought I would see some progress there or more, and, and there's not enough yet. Um, and then the defensive line, which is extremely talented. You know, I'm still very high on Marvin Wilson and what he can do. I think he's a potential first-round guy. But he and, and the, the guys along the D-line didn't do enough, which is why they got carved up by Jeff Sims, a true freshman playing in his first college game, who, by the way, had been committed to Willie Taggart and the Knowles for 10 months before mm. the new staff, and, and he kind of didn't see eye to eye and signs with Georgia Tech and beats him in his opener. Yeah, that's, that's, that's particularly harsh. And then, you know, now, of course, with the coaching situation, I thought I used to know who the Florida State interim coach always was. Mm-hmm. Who, who is it now? <laughs> And what's his story? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not Odell Higgins for a change. You know, uh, yeah. he's getting a, a, a respite from from the interim duties. Um, it's a guy named Chris Thompson. He's a 51 year old Texas native. I've got a big story, uh, you know, coming out uh, on him and the uh, Tampa Bay Times and, and TampaBay.com. Um, because honestly, before this happened, I I knew who he was. I knew the name, but I did not know a whole lot about him. So I went dug you know way back into his background, starting when he was a football and baseball player at TCU. Um, you know, he's just been kind of an anonymous guy in the background. You know, it, it, not only was he stuck behind an All-America tight end, he played tight end um, at TCU, but that guy was in the same recruiting class as him. Um, mm. he, he, go, he goes on, uh, does baseball for a year, does really well at TCU, goes in the minors as a hard-hitting first baseman in the uh, early 90s in the Oakland A system. Uh, there was a guy named Mark McGuire who was a hard-hitting first baseman who kind of uh, had a log jam behind him in the system. So, you know, goes back to, you know, Chris Thompson goes back to football, climbs a ladder as an assistant, becomes a head coach at a school that, a D2 school that shared its field with the local high school teams in Abilene, um, and then goes on and takes them to new heights and does the, climbs up in the, you know, division one ranks. And now finally has a chance to, to make an impression. I mean, he, the people who know him and have known him for a long time, just rave about what a good human being he is. Uh, I, I didn't hear anyone that I talked to say anything remotely negative about him as a coach or, or again, more importantly, as a human being, just as a guy. And that uh, in, a, in a profession of used cars salesman, that was kind of refreshing to hear. And he hasn't been in a situation quite like this. Um, the only comp I can give is he was the uh, acting head coach for Texas Tech in 2012 um, for the bowl game when they came back to beat a Minnesota team that finished six and seven. 
that is not the same as at number 12 Miami as the acting head coach <laughs> of the Florida State Seminoles. It's just mm-hmm. not. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. And the added wrinkle to all this is Mike Norvell has still been involved with everything. He's been doing it from his house on Zoom. He has been watching practice on his computer. It's set up where he can yell at assistants. He can yell at players. He can correct things, again, from like his home office or bedroom or whatever it is. So, you know, he's gonna, he has been actively involved in the game plan. But when it's time to actually call the plays and make the adjustments to what this defensive front is doing, it's going to be up to uh, Chris Thompson and the rest of the Nibbles coaching staff, and you know, we'll see how they do. Out of all that, I keep hearing a profession of used car salesman. <laughs> um, well, it's it's. I mean, it, it's true. Like, yeah, no, I let's, let's, I know. Let's 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 be honest. The the recruiting stuff, and and you know, yeah. you and I have dealt with enough over the years uh, oh. to know that to know what you're getting, and to to talk to someone and talk about someone who seems authentic. Uh, is extremely refreshing. And again, I heard that yeah. from enough people to think that it's true here. I always think college football is more interesting when Miami is interesting. And finally, and it has been a while, it looks like they have a real legitimate quarterback. Absolutely, they do. Derek King is good. I mean, I, I wrote uh, a week or so ago that I think Kyle Trask and Derek King are still kind of 1A and 1B in the state, just as they were at Mandel High in Texas. And man, he's good. Uh, it, it, the numbers haven't been eye popping yet, but I think they can get there. You know, you look at what he did with his legs against uh, UAB. Again, the numbers weren't great, but the defense was keying on him so much that that opened up the running lanes for Cameron Harris and, and Rooster and some of those guys, which is why they rushed for I think it was 337 yards, the most they've had in years at Miami. And then you look at the next game against Louisville. Some of the running lanes aren't quite there as much, and he picks them apart throwing, throwing for 300 something yards and. Uh, some of the eye candy and things that their offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley has done getting guys open, plus Louisville playing some really crappy defense, um, led to another really good game. So, yeah, D.R. King has has met my expectations so far and what he's capable of. And if he continues to play at this level, and if Miami's offense and Rhett Lashley continue to adjust and play at that level with a defense that hasn't played great yet but st- certainly has great potential – we could certainly be talking about them. Again, I don't think they're going to be Clemson, but we can be talking about them with Notre Dame as the number two team in the ACC, potentially. That would, that would be just fascinating. And speaking of Notre Dame, not such a good appearance for USF and Jeff Scott uh, in South Bend, to say the very least. I don't think anybody was happy with that. However, um, you know, in the first game, at least, they showed some things that USF teams aren't noted for, and that is very few penalties and no turnovers. Yes, if you're looking for the positive so far with, with USF, that's exactly where it is. No turnovers so far, and they had, had you know, I think middle of the pack last year, if I remember right, and they were one of the more penalized teams in the country last year, and they made big strides there. Now we'll see if, you know, whenever they get to play again, if they can do the other things out with, with figuring out a, a quarterback and you know showing uh, showing more offensively than they have in the first couple games, and you know, obviously a better defensive effort than the one they had against Notre Dame. Um, I give a lot, you know, Notre Dame's a really good team too. Like let's not ignore that fact. Notre Dame could be a playoff team if things break right for them. So yeah, the the final score was extremely lopsided, but a lot of that's going to be to Notre Dame. And you know, this, this was a true year one, maybe even, I guess I'd say a year zero for Jeff Scott 
considering what he inherited and then the, the crazy offseason. So I think the bar is pretty low for him. Um, and we'll see how they're able to meet it once they come back from this uh, this game called off against FAU and whatever happens down the line, because who the heck knows? Matt, the University of Florida Gators have uh, long had expectations, but this year I think they're real, and, and I think they really do have a chance um, you know, to get into the SEC title game at minimum. So they open against the lane train, <laughs> where <laughs> anything can happen with Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin. Um, where do you think the the Florida program is? And and again, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be, uh, you know, the home field advantage that they've enjoyed through the years. I don't think anybody will necessarily have one for a while. Um, but this this seems like a very very solid uh, team for Dan Mullen. I think you're right, and we have to grade everything on a curve this year with life right. yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah we're all day today so, yeah we're, we're all day today um so with that curve a very very solid team i think that's the phrase you used should be really really good um yeah. you know you, yeah. i i i think here's where i come on them i think it's championship or bust for them i'm not saying they have to win the sec I'm not saying they have to go to a playoff they at least have to win the sec east and win a championship yeah, they gotta get there time. right yeah exactly again just just look at how things are set up you know, if I were to draw up a team that I think would be able to compete best for a championship in this stupid godforsaken year, it would look like the Gators, where you've got a very good X's and O's coach in Dan Mullen, who's one of the best in the business. You've got a coaching staff that has known each other forever, extremely stable. You know, nine of the, the uh, assistants are back at Florida, only the one departure. It would be a veteran quarterback who knows what he's doing and doesn't make a ton of mistakes. That's Kyle Trask and a mm-hmm. veteran offensive line. Florida's got four of the five starters back. That's what it would look like. And then obviously they've got you know, talent elsewhere, and the Gators have that. And, and you look specifically at, against Georgia, who, let's face it, they're the rival in the East. Um, Georgia's schedule is a lot tougher. Uh, Georgia has a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin, whom I, I think you're familiar with his, his work and his no abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take away that offseason of them to figure out his system and, and him to figure out his player as well. Then you factor in that i think the, the expectation was that jamie newman the grad transfer from wake forest would be georgia's starter you start building things around him and then he decides to opt out and go to the league so then you've got new guys where you know you still don't even know if jt daniels is going to be uh, medically cleared at least as we sit here uh, and talk right now so to me you add those things up and it's set up where if it's not going to happen now for the gators when is it going to happen because georgia has been out recruiting them Florida, I think, is closing the gap, but Georgia's out-recruiting them. They're going to continue to out-recruit them. So if it's not now, then when? That's a great point. I think continuity of coaching and quarterback is pretty much what this year is about at every level of football, whether you're talking about Pee Wee High School, uh, college, or the NFL, that's for sure. Uh, well, listen, I, I'm going to make a statement, and, and it's not rocket science, but as long as Andrew Lawrence is at Clemson, they're the best team in the country. Am I right? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor, did I call him Andrew? Where'd that come from? You did. I have no idea. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, Trevor I, Lawrence, I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is unbelievable. Travis Etienne, the running back, is unbelievable. Um, they have not missed a beat so far. And again, we'll see what happens once their schedule gets gets a little bit tougher and they have to play a Notre Dame. or a, Sure. Well, heck, I think it's in a couple of weeks they play Miami, who at that point might be might still be in the top 15. Um mm-hmm. 
and they've got, Miami's got the week off to prepare. So we'll, we'll see, but you know, Clemson's still really good. Alabama still spoiler has a ton of dudes. Um, we'll see what happens with Ohio state and who they can get back and what they look like and how this, this weird off season, this extra, you know, are they going to play or are they not going to play? How that actually plays out on the field. But, uh, you know, to me, those are kind of the three best teams in the country, at least in, in terms of talent. And yeah, they're, that's, assuming nothing crazy happens, those are three of your playoff teams. And we'll see what happens with the fourth. Well, whatever happens, it's going to be a fascinating year. I'm sure we're in for a wild ride. And uh, you have to follow Matt Baker in the Tampa Bay Times on tampabay.com. And uh, Matt, stay safe. Uh, stay healthy and uh, hope we all make it together to uh, sometime in January uh, where there might be a national championship. Yeah, man, I, I hope so. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the, the game down there takes place and I would love to, to be there to cover it because you know that's my job. But I'm also curious how that game is going to look because it will be one of the first big sporting experiences with with fans potentially around in this COVID-19 era. And as I understand it, there's a a big football game happening in the city of Tampa a couple weeks after that. Am I correct? Just a rumor, uh, something called the Super Bowl, although I'm not as as optimistic about a big crowd (laughs) at at Raymond James, but they are planning the game and, um, and they're hoping it's with fans, yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious that if if we can get to the college football playoff national championship game, what that looks yeah. like because that's going to give a big taste of what it's going to look like when the Super Bowl's uh, here here at uh, Ray J a couple weeks after. That'd be a great sign, Matt. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you. You got it. Thank you, man. I can't wait to watch college football. I mean, you know, my Arkansas State Red Wolves have represented very well for the non-power five schools, and the Sun Belt has been kicking everybody's uh, rear quarters, but. And we're four uh, weeks away from the Big Ten coming back. So I know. I know. It's going to feel like college. I love my home college football Saturdays. Uh, of course, I'll be headed on the road uh, to go see the Bucks play uh, at Denver on Sunday. That's going to be a nice trip. Weather's supposed to be gorgeous out there on Sunday, by the way. Can't wait. Like in the 40s at night and maybe mid, mid-60s mid during the game. Perfect gonna football be, weather. Going to be perfect football weather. Uh, the Lightning, uh, game four, of course, tonight, game five on Saturday. We could have, Stanley could have a tan by the time we talk to you next time. That would be exciting. And then the Rays uh, begin their final series with the Phillies and a chance uh, to try to to get the best record in the American League, which would mean something, home field advantage, if you will, or at least, well, they'll get Batting last. Well, it's like in hockey. You know, you get the yeah. last change in hockey. In baseball, yeah, exactly. you'll bat, you get to bat last in the bubble. It's nice to be a home team. Uh, in baseball in particular, you get the last at bat. So, so uh, what did you say? With all this, we need a watch, don't we? Well, you got to keep track of all that time. You got to know when the game times are. I mean, what, the, <laughs> the Bucks are at do. four on Saturday. The Lightning are at eight on Friday and Saturday. The Rays, uh, what six forty, I believe, both Friday, Saturday, and then the one o'clock Sunday. So you got to well, got to keep all track of it, and then all the college football on Saturday. What would be better than have a Breitling watch from Breitling Boutique? That's right. That's the home of the Breitling watches. There's only 15 in the U.S., and we got one right here, right down the street at beautiful International Plaza. You need to check it out. Check out their new Endurance Pro, man, that lightweight, gorgeous sports watch, uh, if you will, athleisure, I should say, or the Chronomat, which is one of my favorites. Go see our new friends at Breitling Boutique at International Plaza. And if you tell them Rick and Steve sent you, you can get a free $60 Breitling cap. This thing is really nice. When you just try on a beautiful Breitling watch, it's, so it's win-win. You get to wear one of those beautiful watches. 
You might want to buy it when you do that, and you get the $60 Brightling cap. Just tell them Rick and Steve sent you from Sports Day Tampa Bay. So for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday.